thank you for being with us this morning. Grab your hymn books. Let's all stand together. Brother Ken will come lead us. Let's make a joyful noise. Brother Ken. We'll get to singing on that good Fanny Crosby song this morning. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Let's do the first, second, and last verse. Page number 246. if you would. I'm going to let you open us up in prayer. I want you to pray for our services this morning, that the Lord will speak through the preaching, the singing. Also continue to lift up Sister Margaret Bocock, one of our shut-ins. Pray for her, if you would. And let's ask the Lord to meet with us this morning. Now, I appreciate the house of God being full, but we need His presence to be full. Amen? James, take us to the throne room, if you would, son. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here. Lord, we do not take it lightly that you have given us a, another day and a, another week and another hour to live here and serve you and magnify your son. Father, we thank you for making us your people, for bringing us to yourself. Father, we thank you that we have so great a salvation. Father, we thank you for the plan of God in, in sending his son to die to ransom for himself a, a special and, and uh, peculiar people. Father, we can never thank you enough for that. Father, we thank you for uh, giving us your spirit to sanctify us and to grow us and to make us more like your son. Father, we thank you for giving us that spirit of joy that so often, God, that you promised to us. Father, we do pray here that today that our joy in you would just be made manifest. Father, we pray that through your spirit that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. That we, as your people, would reflect back to you just how great and awesome that you are. Father, most importantly, we also pray, God, for the preaching of the word to come. Father, we know that that is the most important thing of the hour is the opening up of the sacred scriptures. And Father, we pray that as you've promised that your word would not return void, but that it would accomplish the purpose that you have intended for it to do. Father, we love you and we can never thank you enough. And it's through your son we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Please be seated this morning. While you are, I want you to reflect back on all the times in your life where just in the nick of time God showed up and gave you exactly what you needed for the hour. I want you to listen to this song, one of my favorites, uh, He Rescued Me. You listen as Matthew sings.
life would spare pain and misery. Even when I played the fool, your unseen hand was there protecting me. Though I've had my share of troubles, I must confess to this reality. Yeah. 
you this morning. Standing up there thinking about this, and the Lord laid this on my heart, so we're going to sing it. If you look back over the times of your life, you have to say God's been awfully good to you. Boy, you've had trials, you've had tribulations, you've had difficulties, but one theme emerges over and over and over. God's been good. I want you to listen to Bethany sing this song, God's Been Good in My Life.
Amen, choir. Thank you so much. Wonderful job. Thank you for coming out on this rainy Sunday morning. Good to see the house of the Lord so full and packed up. Brother Rufus, good to see you, buddy. Bless your heart, man. Uh, uh, broke his back a couple weeks ago and in church this morning. That's pretty good. Appreciate you, buddy, for being here. Let me give you several announcements this morning. Thank you for those that have brought in clothes for us for our partnership with County Line Christian. That's continuing. Sizes are listed there. Please help us out if you would. Then a reminder that this coming Saturday at 630, uh, our college, career, and young adult class, uh, their activity will happen beginning here at the church at 630. That'll happen in the teen room again this coming Saturday at 630. Mark your calendars, ladies, if you would, for a couple of weeks uh, on March the 5th. That's a Tuesday night. Uh, there'll be the ladies' meeting. Of course, that's for girls, teens, ladies, young adult, females. Uh, a guest speaker will be here, uh, pastor's wife from Central Baptist Church, Valerie Dowdale. Uh, she'll also be speaking at this year's Ladies' Jubilee. So, ladies, we encourage you to come out and meet her uh, and get acquainted with her. You'll be marvelously blessed. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little tidbit about that family, one of the reasons we've fallen in love with them. Uh, uh, of course, my nephew, Jonathan, is engaged to their daughter. Uh, what's her name? Abby, Abby. Uh, but beyond that, uh, Miss Dowdow, young lady uh, in her early 40s, which is young, she's a breast cancer survivor. Uh, had one child, had breast cancer, uh, then could not have any more children, so they adopted four at one time. Uh, precious family. We encourage you to come out and meet her, ladies. You'll be marvelously blessed. Don't forget, next Sunday, a week from today, uh, February the 24th, we'll have our wedding shower for Travis and Brianna. Uh, that will be downstairs during the Sunday school. We're moving all of our Sunday school classes downstairs. Everyone is invited. As always, this is not just for ladies but is for uh, everyone. All the information is listed there. Ladies, we also ask, or gentlemen, we also ask you to please bring your favorite breakfast item as well. We have a good time at these showers, so keep that in mind. And then speaking of showers, uh, note also our church is invited on March the 9th to the baby shower for Whitley and Michael. Uh, of course, their new baby is forthcoming. There's a snow date listed there, uh, 2 to 4 o'clock at Faith Baptist Church, uh, and we've got that information listed as to where they're registered. We encourage everyone to participate Participate. Uh, we're joining with them for that wedding shower or for that baby shower. So please keep that in mind. RSVP to Sister Angela uh, in the next couple of weeks in order uh, for you to be uh, accounted for, if you would. Note in our bulletin we have our 2019 slate of officers. I appreciate these folks being willing to serve for this year. And when when you're praying for the church each week, please remember these folks who are serving in church leadership. Lord will bless you for doing that. And then let me take just a moment also and remind folks uh, that we're asking for. Some some assistance for our shut-ins. Thank you for those that have signed up. I really appreciate it. We've got about 15 shut-ins that we try to take something to every month. Uh, if you can help us out with that with just one or two, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, if you would see Miss Leanne today, we have about half of them uh, taken up, uh, but we need others if you would please help sign up for that. Uh, we prepare everything. We've got the baskets. We do everything for you. We just ask that you help us out in visiting these folks once a month. It would be marvelously blessed and in fact, I promise you this, if you'll help out, you'll get a bigger blessing than they do. It'll bless you tremendously just by helping out. And then let me remind everyone that we're continuing our uh, pledge campaign and donation campaign for our church sign. 
I've had a lot of folks ask, Preacher, what kind of sign are we going to get? It all depends on how much we take in. Where are we going to put it, Preacher? It all depends on what kind of sign we get, which depends on how much we take in. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that, but please keep that in mind. Pray about what you can do in that capacity. We would certainly very appreciate that in everything that you do. And give to that. It's going to go to a beautiful new sign out front somewhere uh, to be determined once we determine what kind of sign we're going to get. And we appreciate you p- keeping that in mind. All right, let's get all the little ones, if you would, please make your way down this morning to Children's Church and Junior Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us, they're going to come around and collect loose change. We call this our penny march. This helps support our ladies and children's ministries here at the church. Take off, young folks. heading children's church junior church come on make your way this morning
fellas, make your way down if you would. Brother Bobby, you come get ready to sing for us this morning. While they're coming, let me give you two quick prayer requests. Uh, first of all, pray for Krista Beeson. She's a uh, longtime visitor here at the church. been very, very sick. Pray for her, if you would. And uh, many of you uh, know the Hawks family. Uh, they've been visiting here at the church. I got the mic here, buddy. Uh, visiting here at the church for several weeks now. And uh, 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 Sister Hawks gave birth to a baby boy this week, uh, 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 healthy baby boy, but Elena has had some significant complications, so pray for her if you would. Lord, bless the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless the gift, the giver. For the Bobby as he sings, we'll exalt you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you know me, you know I'm a numbers guy, and I've got a quick math lesson for you. If, you, uh, if you've been saved, you've been born twice. But if you've not been saved... You've only been one, uh, born once, and you're going to die twice. So this, the name of this song is Second Birth. So just listen to the words of this. When I came into this world, I just can't recall. I don't remember anything about my birth at all. But on my knees one night in prayer, I never shall regret. I've had a birth I can't remember and one I can't forget. To the world it made no difference. Some even frown, but the angels rejoiced when my name was written down. Unworthy of his mercy, still he paid my debt. I've had a birth I can't remember, and one I can't forget. It never made the evening news When I took off the old man And I put on the new My sin was cast into forgetfulness As the east is from the west I've had a birth I can't remember And one I can't forget to the world it made no difference some even frown but the angels rejoiced when my name was written down unworthy of his mercy still he paid my debt i've had a birth i can't remember and one I can't forget I've had a birth I can't remember And one I can't forget Amen. Page number 203, we'll have a fellowship song, The Windows of Heaven. We'll sing it one time through Fellowship of Wild, page number 203.
ladies, appreciate that so much. Invite you this morning, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, please. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus this morning. Chapter number 33. Exodus chapter number 33. We'll, we'll begin reading this morning in verse number 12. We're going to read down through the rest of the chapter. Exodus chapter 33. We'll begin reading in verse number 12. And we will read down through the rest of the chapter. I have to, I don't share this often, but I will. When This is not the message I had planned this morning. And I have to tell you, it always makes me a little anxious when I feel like God redirects. I spend hours and hours and hours getting ready for a message. And then you walk in and the Lord kind of takes you in a different direction. You got to just trust the Lord that uh, somebody needs to hear what you're about to share this morning. Exodus chapter 33 beginning in verse number 12. If you found your place, say amen. Let's read together. Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. Thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Thou hast also found grace in thy sight, in my sight. Before we read the rest of the chapter, let me take 30 seconds and give you a little background just to refresh your memory on where we are scripturally. Moses has spent 40 days on Mount Sinai receiving what we know to be the Ten Commandments, the law. After 40 days, the Israelites begin to question whether or not Moses is even still alive. And as the fleshly nature takes over, they decide if he's dead, they need to return back to the gods of yesteryear. So Moses comes down from the mountain, carrying with him the two tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, and he sees a people that have turned themselves over to idolatry. He sees his own brother, Aaron. Instead of following after the leadership of the Lord, now he's become the chief idol worshiper. Everyone has given in their gold, if you will. They've crafted a golden idol. They're dancing. They're celebrating this golden calf. And Moses becomes angry. He breaks the tables of stone. Conversation with God ensues. It's fascinating to to read it all and see it all unfold in the preceding chapters. But God decides that he had enough with the Israelites. He says he's going to judge them. He's going to destroy them. And very interestingly, Moses intervenes. And asks and pleads once again for God to have mercy. God agrees. He acquiesces. He opts to have mercy again. But God is angry. And after God agrees to stem the judgment, Moses finds himself becoming discouraged. Let me say that again. God is angry. And Moses is discouraged. I want to pause a moment and make a very simple statement. Discouragement is part and parcel of the Christian life. One of the great lies and great dangers that is often propagated today among TV ministries sometimes, and I hate to be unkind, but I'll be blunt, is this idea that if you're faithful enough and you serve God enough, you'll never have a bad day. That you'll always be happy, and everything will be hunky-dory, grand, groovy, and great. Problem is, that's just not scriptural. Scripture makes it very plain that there will be days of discouragement. 
May I pause a moment and say further that if we don't handle discouragement correctly, discouragement can give away to depression. And before you know it, it's despondency and we've walked away from God. Say it like this. When discouragement, not when, not if, but when. When discouragement happens, and it will. How we handle that discouragement will determine uh, our future. Our church populations are littered uh, with people, empty seats where people used to sit, who something happened and they got discouraged uh, and Satan moved in and they're out of the faith altogether. I don't mean they've lost their salvation, if saved, always saved. Uh, but I do mean their walk with God is not what it was. Uh, their usefulness to the cause of Christ is not what it was. Uh, all because discouragement sets in and the enemy takes over. That's where, that's where Moses is now. Let's go back and read our text again, beginning in verse 12 once again. Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, thou mayest that thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou also yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. He said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. He said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the earth, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. Thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Look at verse 18. Circle, star, put an exclamation. He, Moses, said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. The word beseech there means beg, plead, implore. I plead with you, Lord. Show me thy glory. He said, the he there is the Lord, said, I will make all my goodness Pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. We'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he, the Lord still speaking, said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I'll put thee in a cleft of the rock and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Now take away mine hand. Thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shalt not be seen. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, you've promised that it will never return void. So, Lord, we're asking that you do this morning only what the Spirit of God can do. Lord, I thank you already for your presence here in our congregation today. Lord, I know I say this all the time, but I don't take for granted the fact that you're here meeting with us. 
Lord, I don't take for granted the fact that our church is here, ready to hear from heaven. So, Lord, we come to the part of the hour now that is so critical, surely not because I'm doing it, but because what you ordained thousands of years ago for the foolishness of preaching. So, Lord, I pray that you take this outline that I believe you've given to us. Lord, you know my heart that you've changed my direction, my thoughts. So, Lord, I'm trusting in you to help be said what needs to be said and say nothing that doesn't need to be said. Lord, that we'd walk out of here closer to you than we were when we walked in. And Lord, most especially, most importantly, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, Lord, send the Holy Spirit by their way to convict them, to shower upon them the conviction that only the Spirit of God can do. We'll thank you and play, praise you. In Jesus' sweet name I pray. Amen. I have been in church... Virtually all of my life. I was saved, as most of you know, June the 13th, 1976. Seven days shy of being seven years old. Not that I remember that date. The only reason I know the date is because it was written down in the minutes of Wayside Baptist Church. So I happen to know the date that I walked that aisle and got saved. Boy, I wish I could tell you that in the 40 years since I got saved... That I have lived a Christian life that was pleasing to the Lord. I wish I could tell you that during all of those years I had been faithful. and Lived the way that I ought to live. But I think most of you would amen the fact that that describes all of us. Most of us just would soon have some skeletons that remain in that closet with a door hidden and locked away. Here's one skeleton that I will bring out and parade around for everybody. And unfortunately, it's a skeleton that rarely gets preached on and one that I rarely heard preached when I was growing up all of my life. Discouragement is part of Christian living. I know that preachers love, and I'm guilty of it, we love to preach about the mountaintop and thank God for the mountaintop. But here's the reality. We would not know what a mountaintop is if we didn't have to walk through the valley below it. We learned the greatest lessons of life, not on the mountaintop, but in the valley of life that we have to navigate through in order to climb back up on the mountaintop. Here's the reality, folks. The longer I serve God, the more I understand that the mountaintop is sweeter, but it's in the valley where I draw closest to the Lord. It's in the valley where we learn those sweet things that we only discover in those dark places of life. We don't preach about discouragement. We don't preach about despondency. We don't preach about despair. Uh, but there are lessons that only can be learned in those despondent, despairing places of life. But listen carefully to what I'm about to say. A discouraged Christian is in a dangerous spot. I'll say that again. A discouraged Christian is in a dangerous spot. Listen carefully. There is no sin in discouragement. There is no sin in being discouraged. The sin comes in on how we handle that discouragement. Discouragement will do one of two things, folks. It'll drive us closer to the Lord, or it'll drive us further away from the Lord can't tell you 
number of people that I've encountered in my nearly 18 years of pastoring and 22 years of preaching uh, who were at one point excited and on fire for God, uh, but situations, circumstances, trials come into their life, uh, many of them having nothing to do with church or spiritual matters, uh, but those situations uh, get them to a place of discouragement, uh, and before you know it, Satan intervenes, uh, the enemy intervenes, uh, and their place and their position is eradicated uh, because of discouragement and how the enemy tends to handle it all listen now all of us have voices inside I don't mean cuckoo voices some of us have a few of those too <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm freaking woo hey man I've got voices inside my head all the time <laughs> but all of us have those voices inside of us that are trying to get us to do what's right are trying to pull us away from the things of God. And who we listen to is the one we tend to feed. Let me say that again. The direction we go in, the way that we walk, or the positions that we take uh, is all dependent upon which voice we're feeding. Moses found himself discouraged. Moses found himself in a position, and I'm fascinated by the fact that after he'd intervened on behalf of the people uh, and God stayed his judgment again and God agreed to hold the hand of judgment back, then Moses got discouraged. After God said, all right, I'll intervene one more time or I'll stop the hand of judgment one more time, then Moses gets discouraged and finds himself in a precipice or in a path where he can go one of two directions. He can walk away from God or he can draw closer to God. Here's my big takeaway from the message this morning for every believer. When, not if, when you get discouraged, you are at a critical pathway of your life. And you can either get closer to God or you can draw further away from God. And I promise you, there is an enemy that's tugging at you to try to pull you away from your creator. So I want to give you a message this morning that I'm just calling discouragement and the child of God. Discouragement and the child of God. Before I dive into the meat of the outline, I want to make a simple statement. Be real careful listening to any preacher who tries to tell you uh, that you ain't never going to have a bad day. Be real careful listening to anybody on television or the radio or even at work or anything like that who tries to tell you that there's something wrong because things are not going great in your life. My Bible tells me that Jesus himself said, I don't have a place to lay my head at night. It is not always going to be a bed of roses. Don't misunderstand me. Even my worst day with God is a thousand times better than my best day without Him. I want you to understand, I'm being real clear on this. I'm not suggesting one iota that you were better without God, but I do want you to understand that even walking hand in hand with God, there will be days of discouragement. How do we handle them? Let's dive in together. Three things I want you to see this morning. Number one, note with me, Moses' request. The request that Moses gave. Verse number 18, chapter 33. Moses makes a request that up until this point had not been uttered by anyone in Scripture. Up until this point, nobody had asked for this simple thing that Moses says in verse number 18. He, Moses, said, I beseech thee, I beg thee, I plead with thee, Lord, Show me thy glory. 
show me thy glory. Why did he ask such a thing? Why was Moses in this position? What happened in Moses' life that got him to this point where he is so discouraged? I challenge you, first of all, to notice his duty, his job, what it is that Moses was called to do. I know that all of you know this, but I'll remind you that Moses had been given the unenviable task of leading two to three million people out of Egypt into the promised land. Two to three million people. Let me say that again. Two to three million people. Two to three million people. Amen. Amen. You see, folks, the reality is Moses didn't ask for this job. In fact, when you read Scripture and God called Moses, Moses didn't even want this job. In fact, uh, you read carefully, Moses tried to come up with everything he could think of to get out of this job. This he didn't ask for, this he didn't want, and, and if Moses was being honest, he probably didn't like the job. But you see, folks, one of the things that Moses learned, and one of the things that we've got to learn, uh, is that sometimes we have to do what we don't want to do. It's called obey. We don't mind throwing that out to our children, to our teenagers, uh, but may I say to you, just like we expect our children to obey us, uh, so too does God expect us as his children to obey him. We should obey when we don't like it. Uh, we should obey when we don't want to do it. Uh, we simply understand that God's ways are better than our ways. He knows much better than we do, uh, and we are commanded to obey even when we don't like it. The duty of Moses all gives way to the discouragement of Moses. I will challenge you to go home this afternoon and read chapter 32, the chapter preceding what we just read. Moses comes down off this mountaintop, having spent 40 days of one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, and he is spiritually on cloud nine. He is as close to the Lord as he's ever been. He's communicated directly one-on-one -on -one with God. And as he comes down the mountaintop, excited about the future, excited about the commandments that God has given him, excited about the direction of the Israelites, hey, we're moving forward onto the promised land, he comes down and stands over the horizon, and what he sees literally makes him sick. He sees a people that have turned their backs on God. He sees a people who in a, in a month and one week time, five weeks time, uh, have not lived up to their end of the bargain and are now not even close to what they were when he went up into the mountain. Can I pause just a moment and say something that I hope you'll amen me on? One of the surefire ways to find your place in a position of discouragement is to put your eyes on people. Let me let you in on a secret. People will always let you down. The preacher will let you down. Mom and dad will let you down. Other believers will let you down. Why? Because we're made of flesh. We don't have a glorified body. We're not perfect. We're not likened unto Christ. And as soon as we get our eyes off God and get our eyes on people, we will be discouraged. If you've been in this church for any length of time, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I have pleaded with you to please not put me and my family on a pedestal. You know why? Because we're just sorry flesh and blood like you are. Don't put your eyes on the preacher. Put your eyes upon the prince himself. Put your eyes upon Jesus. He will never let you down. But Moses falls victim to something that we all fall victim to. He's been with God, and as he comes down off the mountain, he takes his eyes off God, 
gets them on the people. And the moment we get our eyes on people, we will be discouraged. All of us. Moses' duty. Moses' discouragement. It gives way to Moses' desire. Moses realized, I think, that in this juncture, in this pathway, in this precipice that he now faces, he's got a choice to make. In this moment of discouragement, is he going to run from God or is he going to get closer to God? In this moment uh, of decision-making, is he going to let what he's seen in other people uh, discourage him even more or is he going to draw closer to God? When you read the verses that we just read in verse 13, verse 15, in verse 18, the answer becomes very clear. In verse 18, when he says, Lord, I beg you, show me your glory. Uh, he is simply saying, Lord, I need more of you. Here's a great grand principle I want you to get a hold of, folks. Uh, when you get discouraged, uh, when you find yourself in one of these positions, uh, when you find yourself being let down by other people, it's in that moment that we need more of God, not less. It's in that moment uh, that you need to get deeper into God, uh, more committed to your faith than ever before. Uh, It is dangerous uh, when we walk away from God and our church and our faith in those times of discouragement. The duty of Moses, his request. Notice, if you will, please, not only Moses' request, but God's response. We serve an amazing God. He would have every right to look at Moses and say to Moses, you've spent 40 days with me and one glimpse of those Jews and you're this discouraged, that would have been in his wheelhouse to say that. God could have easily said, you spent 40 days and nights, I gave you the law, I gave you the greatest thing humanity's ever experienced and it takes you a good five seconds to get off this spiritual mountaintop, what's wrong with you? That's the way some preachers preach. Leads you to believe that if you're discouraged, if you're having a bad day, there's got to be something wrong with you. But notice, God gives a promise. Notice, if you would please, verse 19. He, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Now I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious. And to whom I will be gracious will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. In other words, Moses, uh, you can't have everything that you're asking for, uh, but I can give you everything you need. (laughs) Boy, I like that. Moses, you don't even really know what you're asking for. Uh, You can't have everything that you're asking for. You couldn't handle it, uh, but I can give you everything that you need to get through that. What an amazing God we serve. Why did Moses get that? Why did Moses warrant that? Why would God be so gracious? That answer can be found in verse number 17. When the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. And he goes on to say, and I know thee by name. Whoop. Amen. I know thee by name. Here is a surefire way to have a little bit of a discouragement pick-me-up. Just because things have not gone great doesn't mean God's forgotten where you are. 
Just because things are not going the way we want or the way we'd hoped or the way we'd planned does not mean God's forgotten you, that he's forgotten where you reside, that he's let go of you. You have still found grace in his sight. And honey, if you've been saved, he still knows you by your name. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture is Resurrection Sunday when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She looks inside, tears streaming down her face. Scripture says that Jesus had healed Mary of demons. We know, much of, we know very little about her, Mary of Magdala. But we do know she was someone who followed the Lord, who believed in the Lord, who trusted in the Lord. And she was one of those who came to the tomb that day to to perhaps anoint the body with spices, to do what needed to be done. She gets there. The stone is rolled away. There's somebody behind her, and she thinks it's a gardener. She turns, and perhaps keeping her eyes on the tomb, she says, Do you know where they've taken him? Do you know where he is? I can't find him. I've searched everywhere. And even when he's communicating back and forth, she doesn't know who he is until he says, Mary. And the the moment he speaks her name, There's something in her that quickens and she turns and she realizes that's the Lord. That's her Savior. Honey, yes, discouragement comes, but thank God he knows us by our name. Notice, not only do you see the promise, there's also a place. As the Lord begins to expound upon how he's going to make all this happen, tells Moses you can't handle all of this he says in verse 21 the Lord said behold there's a place by me thou shalt stand upon a rock we could stop right there and have a typology heyday we could stop right there and just preach a whole message upon how Jesus is the rock of our salvation how the psalmist says that he picks us up out of the miry clay sets our feet on a rock to stay But he goes on to say in verse number 22, shall come to pass that when my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock. That word cleft or cleft is one that we don't use often anymore, except in songs. Makes for good poetic language, but it's not something that we use very often. So I looked up the word cleft so that we clearly understand it. And Webster says that a cleft is a narrow opening or crevice that allows one to go further in. A narrow <laughs> a narrow cl- a crevice or opening that allows one to go further in. So here's what God says to Moses. You can't handle all of me. Amen. <laughs> you can't handle everything. But I'm going to give you a glimpse. Here's what we're going to do, Moses. Uh, We're going to, first of all, put you on a rock. And then as I am passing by, I'm going to take you and put you in the cleft of the... Amen. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and allow you to be there so that you can catch a glimpse of just how good I am. Folks, I think you already know that what we're talking about is a beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
You see, here's uh, one of the surefire ways uh, to get over discouragement. Not get over, get past, get through, or get around discouragement. Uh, First of all, uh, remember where you were when God found you. Remember the depths and depravity, hey man, uh, a sin you were in, uh, and that he loved you despite your sin, uh, despite despite your wickedness, uh, despite your ungodliness. uh, He loved you anyway. He came to where you were, uh, picked you out of that muck and mire of sinful slop that you were in, uh, placed you upon a rock, uh, and now uh, as you love him more, he puts you deeper uh, and deeper inside the cleft of the rock. Uh, When discouragement comes, uh, don't get less of Jesus. Get more of Jesus. Get deeper in the rock. Deeper in the rock. I think that's one of the reasons I love that song. In fact, I tell the choir, I'm addicted to that song, He Will Hide Me. I'll let you in on a secret that many preachers won't tell you. Preachers get discouraged too. Preachers' wives and deacons and church leaders, everybody, we all get discouraged. Why? Because we have to deal with people? Amen. Amen. Why do you get discouraged? Because you've got to deal with people. Amen. you got two options. No people, which makes for a boring church service. You've got to figure your way through discouragement. You've got to figure that way through despondency. And here's what I've learned. The closer I get to Jesus. Amen. The deeper in the cleft of the rock I get the less my eyes are upon people who are trying to discourage me. The more I get focused upon him and how him and how much he loves me and all that he's done for me and how good he's been to me, the more I realize that I can turn my eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Notice this morning, I don't even know my outline. Amen. There's a promise. There's a place that gives way to the presence. You see, in verse number 22, it shall come to pass. While my glory passeth by, I'll put thee in the cleft of the rock, cover thee with my hand while I pass by. I'll take away my hand. Thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. What are you saying, preacher? Scripture makes it very clear. God kept his promise. God said, Moses, I know what you need. I promise I'm going to give you exactly what you need to get through this phase of your life. It's one of the marvelous, incredible things about our God. Every circumstance, every phase of life, every situation, God's got what we need. Let me quickly finish up this morning. Number one, the request. Number two, the response. Finally, number three, the results. Here's the amazing thing, folks. After having this experience with the Lord, Moses was never the same. I I want you to get this. Moses had spent 40 days... with the Lord on Mount Sinai. And certainly when he came down with the Ten Commandments, he was excited. He was thrilled about the presence of God. But when he saw God, it's never the same. What did it produce in him? I want you to notice uh, the attributes of Moses. Go to chapter 34, if you would please, verse number 8. 
Scripture says that Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. After he had this one-on-one encounter with God, it produced in him great humility and a desire to genuinely worship God. It produced in him great humility and a desire to genuinely worship God. Here's what I always tell folks when they talk to me about discouraging or depressing times or situations that they're going through. Don't quit on God now. Don't quit on church now. Don't quit on your faith now. You get deeper in God. You get committed to church. You get committed to the things of God. You worship God like you've never worshipped before. And before you know it, what was your praise, what was your particular situation, what was your test will become your testimony. But then jump down to chapter 34, verse 29 quickly. Verse 29 came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. This is the second time, church. Everybody with me? When he came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony, Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. Mo- <laughs> Moses was so close to God. God rubbed off on him. I don't know about you, but I like that. You know, you, you, you understand if you spend a lot of time with somebody, you, you sometimes adapt a little bit of their characteristics. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a couple that's been together 50, 60 years and they look like each other? They act like each other? They finish each other's sentences. Why? Because they've spent all the time together. You don't, you don't associate one without the other. I mean, I look at some of our folks here that have been married 55, 60 years, uh, and they're always together. You never see one without the other. Why? Because they know each other so well, they take on each other's characteristics. That's what happened to Moses. He spent so much time with God that God rubbed off on him. When he come down the mountain, Moses didn't have to say, hey, I've been with God. It was all over him. He didn't have to say, hey, I've been talking with the Lord. Everybody could look at him and say, there's something different about that joker. He ain't the same when he came down as he was when he went up. What made the difference? He spent time alone with God. You know what I've noticed, folks? Christians, listen now, don't throw your Bibles at me because you don't like what I'm about to say. Christians who draw closer to the Lord in times of discouragement are some of the sweetest folks you'll ever meet. Christians who walk through those deep, dark valleys and draw closer to God are some of the most precious people you'll ever encounter. Notice the last thing and I'm done. Go with me if you would please to verse 34, chapter 34, verse 34. Not only was there great humility and worship, a great change, but there was a great relationship. Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him. 
took the veil off Moses' face shone so brightly <laughs> that when he was in the front of the folks, he had to put a veil on his face. He had to put a veil on his face because he just radiated God. And he goes in to speak to God in verse 34. Took the veil off until he came out. Came out and spake unto the children of Israel, which he was commanded. The children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone. Moses put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. You see what's happened here, folks? Because of this encounter with God, Moses and God are having a conversation like they're BFFs. <laughs> Amen. They're having a conversation like they're best buds. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not trying to diminish or minimize the sovereignty and the majesty of God. But God does tell us in the book of Romans uh, that we can call him Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. It, it, it was like Moses uh, would go in and say, Lord, I need to talk to you today. And the Lord would say, here I am, what you got? And the two of them would have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. He'd go out, leave the people of Israel, say, here's what God said. And he'd go back in, take the bell off. Lord, I need to talk to you today. Here's what's going on. And they'd have a conversation. He'd go out and lead the people. What an incredible picture that is of prayer. What a beautiful image that is of being reminded that when you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. When we pull closer to God, he'll pull closer to us. And suddenly, what used to be this sovereign entity with whom we had no contact whatsoever is now just, hey, I need to talk to you. And he's there. Don't misunderstand me. There's some Real qualifications that he reminds us, if my people that you're called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. But that conversation, that one-on-one -on -one time, oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. One of my favorite hymns, I'm done, one of my favorite hymns of yesteryear. And all the time when I was a kid growing up, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to take everything, take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Stand up with me this morning. Nobody's looking. Brother Ken, come get us a song. I'm going to ask you a quick question this morning. It's another one of those times where an altar call is going to be challenged, but we're going to do it. I want you to be obedient to the Lord. If the message spoke to you this morning, maybe there are situations or circumstances that you are dealing with. Things that you are facing that could lead you one way or the other. 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to implore you to step out right now. Come on, would you come? There's a lot of folks who are moving. I appreciate your honesty this morning. I appreciate your honesty. Come on, step out all over the building. I say again this morning, discouragement can lead us into some dangerous places. I want to ask a second question. I want you to do me the honor just bowing your heads. If you're here today, you've never been saved. If you died today, you're not sure heaven would be your home. Preacher, pray for me. Before it's too late, pray for me. Anyone be honest this morning, preacher. I'm not sure of my salvation. Please pray for me. Father, bless the invitation. May it be what you'd have it to be. Christ's name. Brother Ken, sing us a verse this morning. Just a verse. Would you sing, brother? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just Amen. this chorus all over the building. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for Can we sing that next verse? I'm so glad I to trust him. Sing it now. I'm so glad I learned to Precious Jesus Savior. Precious Jesus Savior friend. Amen. I know that thou will be with me till the end. Sing that chorus, church. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Amen. dismisses in prayer. Remind you of services tonight. A couple of special things for you this evening. You'll find out when you get here, but you don't want to miss it. I promise you'll be blessed this evening. Brother Ken, pray for us tonight if you would, buddy. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, thank you, Lord, for touching our pastor's heart and changing the direction of the message that he needed to preach today. Father, what an encouragement, Lord. God, I'm so thankful that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God, you'll help us through and through in any situation we ever face. God, any circumstance we ever come across, God, you promised to always be there with us. Father, in times of discouragement, Lord, help us to always look to you. Draw our strength from you, God. Father, what a friend you are. Father, thank you, Lord, for saving us. We praise you, God, for your son's precious blood to cleanse us from all sins. Father, thank you for the faithfulness of your people to be here today. God, what a good day it was to be in your house. 
God, looking forward to a blessing tonight. God, bring us all back. Lord, looking for something else from you today. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.